Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Level Up Human. The comedy science podcast, souping up the Homo sapien. Hello, humans. Welcome to another episode of Level Up Human Extra, where Rachel and I dive deeper into the news that has been happening this week and try and figure out what our species will do next. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Have you been having a good week? I've been having a very good week. I'm not hungover this week, which is great. Well, which is unusual. Firing on all cylinders. <laughs> Yay! What is the? Uh, should we dive straight in for the news, or should we explain yeah, the concept more or less? No, go on. You, you you explain it now. Okay. Well, so if you listen to our regular episodes, you can hear that we get along experts, and having fed up of experts' opinions, uh, like Michael Gove said, we've decided just to delve in with our own lack of expertise. The whole point of this is to try and keep things a bit more up to date and a bit more contemporary, uh, a bit more reviewing what's actually happened this week, I guess. So to that end, we've each brought some news stories. Do you want to start, Rich? What have you brought along? Well, there's a, a new species has been discovered. Uh-huh. New species of what? Not like they've stumbled into a new bit of the world and found a new creature. More that a species of orangutan, is it? Yeah. Has been, had its genome kind of carefully looked into and it turns out it's a separate species. Yeah. Um, it's more than just a genome in this case. They also looked at its skull, I think. And they found a couple of morphological differences. So... Uh, do you know what an orangutan is? That's something that sounds like a stupid question. Well, that that's not a stupid question. I feel like I know what an orangutan is. I have an image in my head of one. Okay, well, as, as a non... I'm the biologist in the team, mm, so as a non-biologist... muggle. Um, what's, <laughs> what so, would you say an orangutan is? An orangutan is a great ape with long arms and, in my head, ginger hair. Do you know what? That ain't far off, is it? Okay, but until this point, I think they thought there was only two species of orangutan. So it was the ones that you got in Sumatra and the ones that you got in Borneo. And it would seem that the ones in Sumatra were actually two species all this time, which have been sneakily coexisting and scientists have not been able to tell the difference. It's kind of one of the troubles of genetics is it keeps showing us that there's a lot more species out there perhaps than we realised and... Not instead of having just one endangered species, now we've got two endangered species to yeah, worry about. It immediately got put on the critically endangered list as soon as it got separated off. So that's quite sad because there's only 800 of them. But this is quite pertinent to what we talk about because we're always talking about levelling up humans and making the next species of human, uh-huh. human 2.0. So the question is, 
at what point would it be a new species with its own name? So we are Homo sapiens, right? Yeah. If we level up, at what point do we become something else? When do we become Homo superior? Yeah. To use the vernacular of the X-Men. Homo (laughs) smug. Homo smug. I think we've already hit that, if that was the case. I think we have. So we've got to ask, I suppose, what, when is a species a species and when is a species not a species? Just a small question to kick the podcast off with, yeah. Go well, I've, I've got a kind of answer for this one because um, we're going to delve back into your GCSE biology brain. Uh, what are the criteria that we require to make a species a species? Have you an idea? Uh, is this a test? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Oh, God. Um... um... It might have been different in your day. Oh, uh, you can't cross-pollinate with... So, So the... I mean, this is going to be embarrassing, right? Because yeah. I really can't remember. But species do not um, normally have babies into with other species, right? So they, they have babies within their own species. Yeah. So you've got the, the so, key there is what we call reproductive isolation. There you we are. To, you have to only be able to breed within... Uh, with other things which are the same as you, more or less. So as soon as the new humans look at us and go, no thanks, yes. that's the point. As soon as we are just so unfanciable because whatever genetics We're they've so done... We're so kind of just primitive. Yeah. Whenever we look all like Morlocks to them, or maybe we look like humans to the Morlocks. What's a Morlock? Oh, have you never seen The Time Machine or read The Time Machine? No. Oh, they're they're great. It's 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 um, it's a, a very good book. Give it a shot. They're, Who's it by? Uh, H.G. Wells. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, see, I thought H.G. Wells. Mm, I did think that in my head. Well, the, the problem with the species thing is that that definition, which is completely correct, and if you're doing your tests and you're doing A-level biology, even university biology, is that it's also wrong. Uh, because oh. truth is, nobody really knows what a species is. Also, isn't there, wasn't there some news really recently which said that actually there was quite a lot of crossbreeding going on between... Uh, now I can't remember the the name, but like the the next humans on from Neanderthals and Neanderthals for a long time. Yeah, and well, and us and Neanderthals and yeah, well, us there we are. and Devonsonians. So we're just so, not that picky, really. <laughs> well, what it probably is is that there's is kind of like a spectrum for a species, and and the first thing to get over, okay, the definition for your textbooks for your exam is a species is something which can freely and inter freely and easily interbreed with other members of its same species. The trouble is that that's a vagary, right? And not only do you have to be able to interbreed, you have to be able to interbreed and produce viable offspring. That's the key. So not only do you have to be able to have kids, but your kids have to be able to have kids, right? Because you do get... Yeah. You get things like mules. You get things like uh, infertile hybrids. Mm. So we say that those aren't the same species, right? Trouble is, then you find tons of things which are completely different species as far as we're concerned, which can interbreed. So a big problem for conservation, perhaps the next 20, 30 years, as the ice is melting up in the Arctic, species that have never come across each other are now bumping into each other. Okay? And they're reproducing, and what's more important, they're reproducing things which can reproduce. So a species I came across a while back now, and I thought it was terrific, it was called a gruller bear. Mm-hmm. It's mum's a grizzly, dad's a polar bear. Oh no, sorry. Dad's a dad's a grizzly, mum's a polar bear. Better than a grizzly bear. That's the other way around, which yeah. is where your your dad's a grizzly. Oh. Sorry, your dad is a polar bear and your mum's a grizzly. Right, okay. Um and those are fertile. So does that mean that polar bears and grizzly bears are the same species? So that's where the definition falls down. Okay. Well, yeah, and the thing is, if we take one definition, they are the same species. If we don't, and we accept that ecology is real, 
then they're different because they, they look different, they act different, they live in different places. Let's imagine you're done at the equator. You're a bird. You've got... Uh, one bird has got a beak, which is perfect for eating nuts. One's got perfect for eating insects. If they have a kid. The kid's beak is not as good at eating nuts as mum, but not as good at eating insects as dad. And this means that they're outcompeted by their own species. By their own parents. By their own parents, yeah. yeah. So, nature doesn't want this to happen. So it avoids species interbreeding. It creates reproductive isolation. And the genes you see, which are the fastest moving, are always those which relate to sex. So you can stop species from interbreeding. Uh, your genitals are the bits morphologically which change fastest in species. Mating dances and behaviours like that are the things that change fastest for species. And that's why people send photos of them to each other, just to <laughs> check whether we've reached that tipping point yet or not. To be sure when you're using Tinder that they are in fact the same species. Yeah. Um, trouble is, you go up to the North Arctic, they haven't had to evolve those genetic mechanisms and those mating dance mechanisms to avoid interbreeding because they've had a dirty great big bit of ice that's been doing it for them. Right. And now that ice is melting, the grizzly bears and the polar bears are coming across each other for the first time. And you're getting the same thing. And they with, have compatible genitalia. They have compatible genitalia right. and they have compatible genes. But you're also getting like narwhals are mating with beluga whales and you're getting narlugas. And you're getting bowhead whales mating with humpback whales to make humphead whales. And that means that for these big species, every single mating time is a wasted genetic opportunity. So that's a, it's a big problem for, for conservation. But the question that that case is, how different does a human have to be before uh, they can't mate with us? Ah. And I would argue that because we get around so much, because we've now got planes and trains and automobiles, we're going to keep mixing our genes. So we are going to have a long continuum where we can keep breeding. The thing which will stop is when we've got a hard geographic boundary, which means we can't come across each other. Like Mars. Like Mars. And there's genuine genuine thought that like, if we go to somewhere which has got a slightly different gravity and we've got a slightly different population, as soon as you get to like something like an island or a new planet like Mars, you get what you call the finder effect. So because there's less variety of genes going there, because there's less variety of people, you're more likely to get a, a, a differentness compared to the original population even if just by chance. This is why small it bothers me that we're, we're only able to send a few people because those could be the founders of a whole new race. What if they're dicks? Well, ch well chances are, because they'll and be they're going to be dicks, aren't they? Because they're the ones who've just gone, I'm quite happy never to see any of you again. Bye. But there's a slightly more serious thing to this, actually, because we could probably guess along one gene set that they will have. So this is this is an out-of-date study, but I, I can't remember exactly the details. I'll have to look it up again. But chances are, whoever wants to go to Mars, that the first people, those pioneers, will probably have the genes for risk-taking. No shit. Yeah, so there was a study a while back where they were trying to look at people uh, across the US, and they theorised that if they're going to look for the genes for taking risks, that you'll find more risky people on the West Coast than you'd find at the East Coast. Because they'd always be the descendants of the pioneers that kept moving further ah, into right. the frontier. Okay, that's why that's where all the casinos are. Yeah, it explains California an awful lot, doesn't it? This is very interesting. Mm, excellent. Okay, <laughs> we're just going to leave that there. We don't have time to go into it anymore. Uh, good. Now, what have we got next on the agenda for topical sciencey news stories relevant to humans, Simon? Uh, this isn't relating to humans at all, but I think it's fantastic. And oh, it's God. mainly because of the headline that came with it, the direct quote from the scientist who discovered it. 
they've noticed that whenever they're digging up mammoths that they find frozen in the permafrost or they find stuck somewhere, the vast majority of them are male. And the scientist says this is because males are more likely to die, quote, in silly ways. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reason why I liked the headline was just because of the, the phrase silly ways. Uh, what what define silly ways? So what it probably is, is that we assume that mammoths' family groupings are a lot like modern elephants and that they had a matriarch, uh, usually like a female mother or grandmother who's head of the group. And then basically whenever boys start to grow up, they become adolescents, they get all stroppy and they head off by themselves and they either form bachelor groups or they go off by them by themselves and they don't have the wisdom of the elders, of the granny to guide them so they're more likely to die in a stupid way mm. like and, falling and into a pit or something stupid is easier to find oh i see falling into a pit right so the ones you find preserved are more likely so to have died because they were daft they're more likely to fall into a, a pit because they're going off in a teenage strop yeah for example than than female mammoths who stay with the, the granny and who mother stay with the group okay right but just the you know the science phrase of silly ways, but also <laughs> yeah. that that seems to be scientifically accurate. So mammoth Darwin Award. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. I like that. Right. I've got a robot snake. <laughs> of course, I have. Where in your kitchen? So uh, apparently, animals are providing the inspiration for a lot of biorobotics labs to try to create things which are uh, able to mimic amazing animals, and they've just created one which is mimicking a snake. So. It can uh, avoid obstacles. They've basically taught it to go left or right when it hits something in front of it. Uh It can sidewind because it can travel. It can like go to the left with its front and the right with its back end. So it can go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary across uneven terrain it can't come to ireland uh it can deliver apples possibly <laughs> what do you what what reference is this exactly there's something about snakes in ireland not that there aren't any 
Party kicked them out. Oh, uh, yeah. Or more accurately, there was a, a sea in the way and it's okay. an island. So you can't have them in Ireland. Yeah. No snakes in Ireland. Even um, robotic ones will get them. It can even constrict around somebody and it could therefore technically kill you. And um, Why do we want that? What's the point of this robotic uh, well, snake? Well, okay, so the point of the robotic snake is that it can, it can get into small spaces and it can also crawl, climb up trees, climb up humans and also swim. So potentially for rescue efforts and things, it can get into small spaces and film footage and transmit it back to a rescue team. I can never think of a situation where I'm trapped under a building or I'm in a burning building and I thought, I know what I need now, a snake. A robotic snake. Yeah, well, they, used, kind of they sent two of them to Mexico recently to help with the rescue efforts there. Because oh, wow. the point is that they can get through rubble without disturbing the rubble. Ah. So, so a person might be searching, but by searching, they might actually damage somebody by moving... Yes. Uh, debris out of the way. So this snake can kind of like squeeze through. Uh, it's got a torch on it. It's got a camera on it. And they've even created one which is tiny and can enter your heart oh. using exactly the same. It's got the same miniature um, like engine and bit, bits of robotics. Uh, so it can administer therapeutic intervention during surgery. Wow. So there you go. That's pretty cool, right? So snakes for the win. Snakes for the win. Um, I just think, like, you know how back in the olden days they used to have rescue dogs? Yes. And the rescue dogs would have a barrel of whiskey around its neck. <laughs> yes. Because essentially a rescue dog coming and finding you when you're trapped on a mountain, is you're going to look at it and you'll be like, well, I'm relieved that you've come to rescue me, but you probably can't rescue me on your own. What you're now going to do is you're going to go back to a rescue team and alert them to my presence, which means I'm stuck here for another who knows how many hours in enormous pain, but the the barrel of whiskey is there around the dog's neck. So I'm just thinking if the snake could have some kind of section in it, which is a, like a hip flask, that well, would be quite helpful. Well, why not? Uh, actually, or, there's a problem there, which is snakes barely have hips. Okay, so not a hip flask. A um, they've got they've got tiny remnants of legs. The the males in particular, which they call spurs, so use them in um. I don't think how to make it a hip flask is really the main point that we've got an issue with here. That's like, that's okay. We don't mind if it's not a hip flask. But like, it should have drugs on it so that at least when it finds you, you have something for when it then... A snake with drugs. Yeah. That's like what every hell's angel wants. That's like the... Yeah. The ultimate accessory. Uh, So, and and, um, a Harvard University team have just developed a robot bee as well that can fly swim and propel itself out of water and into the air how cool is that can it make robotic honey uh, i don't know it does That'd be not oil say. wouldn't it it'd be something like that there but they're a millimeter in length so you could pre- you could presumably have like swarms of robot bees what's the purpose for this one what does so it when do? i'm a super villain i will send swarms <laughs> of robot bees after you simon what's your till you give me back my um recording equipment Okay, look, not what's the point of evil bees. What's the point that the people are doing this study? Why are they wanting to use Well, bees? because you, if you've got a one millimetre uh, robot which can fly and propel itself into and out of water and all of that sort of thing, that's also very useful when you are uh, doing rescue efforts, also presumably surveillance. Okay. You know, you could get a bee to track somebody and car- and just follow it around filming it. They can't and it wouldn't notice because whiskey. it would be a bee. 
It would look like a beast. You wouldn't think, hang on, there's a drone following me around, which would be quite noticeable. So that is, that's a good thing. That, that, oh, what was the um, film? That was a really good movie that was spoiled by a bit of science fiction for me. It was called, I think it was called Eye in the Sky. Uh, I'm just going to check if I've got the right name here. Yeah, it was called Eye in the Sky. Um, and they used this kind of technology where they had uh, surveillance bugs, cameras that looked like insects and things. And it mm. ruined the movie for me. Have you seen it? No. Um, it's basically a movie about the ethics of drone strikes and how you make these decisions. And I was very disappointed when they added this sci-fi element because it made something that was a very contemporary and realistic debate that we should be having now by pretending it was something far off in the future and a bit stupid. So it was really grating on me. Mm. They needed to find ways of getting cameras into places but they, for the for the drama and for the action, but they could have found I some see. more realistic. But now mechanism. there's a robo-bee in existence. So, so now less stupid it's not now. so far in the future. Yeah. It had Helen Mirren. That just about saved it. Bees will not have Helen Mirren. So the question really for this is, do we want to be concentrating on levelling up humans all the time or do we actually want to be just creating really cool companion robots. So we don't want to make ourselves a different species as discussed earlier. We just want to be like ourselves, homo sapiens, bit stupid, tea-obsessed, ape-like creature, right? Mm -hmm. But with very cool cyber pets. Well, that's kind of what we've been doing for the past 4,000 years, you know, where we haven't been moving forward, but technology has. So that does fit. There was a really, like, I know these are... Not exactly the most contemporary of references, but there was a great X Files episode back when I was a teenager, which was. Asked... It not even contemporary that you saw it last week. You watched it twenty years ago. Go on. But I remember it just because it stuck with me from this because they. Uh, spoilers for, for people who are having to use Netflix or something to really, really backdate their. They won't believe. They, they won't. If they go back and watch the X Files now, it won't be the science that they don't believe. It'll be the shoulder pads. That's how it's going to. That's right. But in this episode, there is robotic cockroaches. Okay. Um, and it's a great one. But the argument it's making is that if aliens were to visit us and find us, they're not going to send the alien themselves. So in the same way that we've sent Curiosity, the Mars rover, off to mm. Mars to do reconnaissance, the aliens are sending robots, and these robots just happen to look like cockroaches. So they blend in cool. and surveil us. And that could be happening. That could be happening, and we won't know. How would we know if it's their robotic bees or our robotic bees? But yeah, that, that's that's a that's a cool, genuine thing. Like, well, how and far also, can humans go? Actually, their their robots may be much more sophisticated than ours and use much more organic substances. So you might kill one and not even realize that it's an alien. Yes. Mm. I like this kind of stuff. I think there is. I think you're right when you're saying about having robots all around the place. But this is also we've been promised for like how many years and it's never happened yet. Related to that, uh, I got a press release recently about a thing called Smart Matrix, which is going to make burn therapy, medicine, better. So at the moment... It's a skin graft, really. Is that what you're after? uh, Sort of. So at the moment, you have to use porous material when you are treating burns. Okay. This porous material is made out of human fibrin. Ah, so it it should heal uh, more quickly and and mesh in with the normal skin and everything quicker. And there's no chance of like tissue rejection or anything here, is it? Yeah, exactly. And the idea is that you don't need to do a skin graft. 
Okay. So you could have a burn and you could just treat it with this smart matrix. I'd imagine you don't need it. to do that skin graft, which is very time-consuming and expensive. It sounds like it'll do something like act as a sort of scaffold for your own cells to grow across. That's exactly it. Because that's that's a great a great bit of tech. I hope that kind of stuff takes off. We're probably running out of time, but have we got any gigs that we want to talk to people about? Oh yes, our next live recordings uh, will be in Cork. Actually, if you're one of our Irish listeners, uh, look out for me in general. I'm I'm across in Ireland. For a full week doing Irish Science Week, I'm mostly in Limerick, but you'll find me in uh, Thurlis, in um, County Kerry, on Kerry Science Festival in Cork as well. But in Cork Science Fest, on the 17th of November, we'll be at the AMP recording two more live Level Up Human episodes. And we've got Neil Delamermack back. Do you remember Neil? I remember Neil. Neil is proper hilarious. So if you're in Cork, get along to that on, what is it, November 17th? November 17th at the AMP at 7pm. Hooray. Anything more to say? Oh, one correction and clarification from last Level Up Human Extra episode where I said that to leave a party without uh, saying goodbye is called an Irish bail. It's not called that. It's called an Irish goodbye. And this is something that I seem to actually do. Yeah. Well, how, I do it How do well. you know it's not just your company? that? Uh, like, how do you know... Um, I'm not suggesting that you personally, but I'm meaning that uh, this Irish bail is actually just for people who are insufferable and they're wondering why all their friends disappear suddenly. Oh, you think that you only do it from people who are awful? <laughs> or do you only leave a party if everybody's awful? See, I often leave a party without saying goodbye when, I, when it's really fun, but it's almost like to say goodbye would dampen the spirit of the party somewhat. Everyone's having so much fun. It's best if you're just yeah, not there. I, I leave when it's fun as well. I'm one of those people who leaves before procrastination kicks in and people yeah. haven't decided which pub they're going to next. That's the thing. Okay, so I'm glad we've corrected that. Are we recommending that as a lifestyle choice? Everyone, try the Irish goodbye. Try Irish the Irish goodbye. goodbye. Uh, it's also called the French goodbye. I don't know why, but there we are. So um, uh, thanks very much for listening. This has been Level Up Human Extra, the third of these Level Up Human Extras that we've done. Please uh, tweet us at Level Up Human, and uh, we'll we'll be releasing uh, the Latitude episode, which we recorded back in the summer, next week. Yes, with Stuart Goldmiss smith on it. Uh, check out his podcast, actually. It's great, the ComCom pod. Um, also, before we go, uh, yeah, do let us know, because this is a new thing we're trying, so we want to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I'm saying that this time, not last time, so that I'm not so hungover that people are all going, who is this person? <laughs> uh, haven't I been bright and sparkly and, and awake and not dribbling this, this week? I'm saying nothing. That was Level Up Human. Hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com. Hey you! Do you like politics? No, of course you don't. Absolutely no one does. Politics is even less fun than that board game with the pegs. You know the one. Little pegs, little tiny multicoloured pegs. No one liked it. Yeah, that one. Exactly. The problem is, politics affects absolutely everything, from that game with the little pegs to your favourite cheese or what poncho to wear when it's humid but cloudy, all the way to less important stuff like education, health, affording to live and how many times you break your TV swearing at it because the Prime Minister has said something awful again. 
I'm Tina Duyeb, despite all of my efforts, and every week I waste away my Mondays to bring you the Partly Political Broadcast, a podcast that looks at politics with a dirty side-eye and then makes a ton of jokes about it before interviewing a different, genuinely clever guest each week who can actually explain it, and then just when you're sick of crying at the horror of everything, throws in jokes again. Phew! From your Brexits to your Trumps to your global crisis to your economies to your whatever-the-hell-happy-slapped-uncooked-dough-man Boris Johnson has said this week, subscribe and listen to Partly Political Broadcast on the podcast app of your choice and it will all be explained. Unlike that game with the pegs. You know the one. You know the one with the little, with the little coloured pegs. Ah, oh, it's such a stupid game. Partly Political Broadcast is out every Tuesday, ready to be fired into your ears like an unwarranted North Korean missile. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.